Welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School, the podcast where we speak with people in the school and those who've already left to find out what life there is really like. In this episode, Saskia Jordan speaks to Clara Wilson, currently doing a PhD at Queen's University in Belfast, and Amelia, who's at the school and looking at university options for next year. This episode is all about animal behaviour. We'll be hearing them discuss how humans have treated animals over time, how we've exploited and oppressed animals to evolve, but we'll also hear Clara's experiences of life at school and what Amelia is hoping to do once she leaves. And as always, they both share their favourite school moments with us. So come with me while Saskia Jordan introduces our two guests for this episode. So hello and welcome to Conversations with Ipswich School. Today we're talking to OI Clara Wilson um, and to current sixth former Amelia. And today we're going to talk all about animal behaviour. So first of all, um, a welcome to Clara. Clara's remembered as being very warm, funny, uh, would have the, the drama class in giggles and uh, for just being an all-round great student. So hi, Clara. Hello. And how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. I hear you're, sin- you're in your lab at the moment. Yes, so I am currently doing my PhD at Queen's University Belfast. So I'm over in Belfast at the minute and I came in bright and early. We've got a teacher training day today, so that's what I'll be doing after this. Fantastic. And then welcome to Amelia. Amelia's uh, come in straight, straight from the bus this morning. And hello, Amelia. How are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. And I hear you're also interested in animal behaviour. Yeah, I'm looking to do that next year at university. I'm applying now. And do I hear you're doing an EPQ in animal oh, yeah. Tell, tell us a bit more about that. My question is, to what extent does anthropocentrism limit the conservation of animal life on Earth? Which is quite a mouthful, but essentially I kind of discuss how there are lots of ethical issues around how we consider humans to be the most important aspect of life on Earth. And quite often we limit how far we're actually able to save and protect the animal species on Earth. That's cool. I'm speechless, Clara. Does that make sense to you? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting topic. I think, yeah. So where are you applying for uni? Where are you doing animal behaviour? I'd say my top three are probably Exeter, Chester and Anglia Ruskin, but I haven't visited them yet because of COVID, so they might change in the future. Yeah, Exeter does really cool animal behaviour stuff, for sure. I did my master's, so I did my undergraduate in psychology, and then I moved to animal behaviour for my master's. Um, and it was kind of between Edinburgh and Exeter. Those were the two really good master's programmes. So I went to Edinburgh in the end, but yeah. <laughs> and where did you go? So you went to Edinburgh to start with, did you, Clara? No, so I went to Sussex for my undergraduate. So this is kind of the school link as well, is that I hadn't done psychology yet until sixth form. And I had uh, Mrs. Austin and Mrs. Smith, and it was just such a fun class. Um, and I just loved it. And we I'd never done psychology before. And although we didn't do much animal-based stuff, I just thought it was really, really interesting. And I did my EPQ in psychology-related stuff. It was actually about uh, children, serial killers. <laughs> but it wow. was still like psychology (laughs) and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do I wasn't nearly as um, into it and dedicated as Amelia is she's clearly many steps ahead of me but yeah I just knew I really liked psychology so I decided to do psychology and then it was at uni that I realized that animal behavior was kind of part of that I didn't even know existed before uni so that's kind of how I got into it and then I did the master's at Edinburgh and now the PhD here at Queen's. So do you think having a wide breadth of A-level options is a really useful thing at sixth form? 
Yeah, I think definitely getting to have some more options at sixth form was great because I would never have come across psychology otherwise. I was really interested in that kind of stuff, but we'd never been taught it formally. And I just thought, I don't know, as soon as I did it, I was like, this is <laughs> this is what I like. So yeah, I think having some more options at A-level was a really good thing. And Amelia, what are you studying at A-level? Um, I take PE psychology and biology and I'm exactly like Clara. I'd never done psychology before, but I um, did also did GCSE PE. And in there we did sports psychology and I just found it so fascinating that I thought I might as well take it at A-level and give it a go and it has actually become my favourite subject. Gosh, and that's just amazing, isn't it? So these these new sixth form subjects, suddenly you, you take a bit of a wild card and then, and then you find something that you, you're really passionate about. So, Clara, your time at school, we've talked a little about your A-levels. I hear you were also really into drama, is that right? Yeah, I did like drama. So I think we started, it's it's shocking how long ago I left school now. I keep thinking <laughs> it was like two years ago. And when, I live quite near the school. And whenever I go home, I expect to see people like in the year below me still in the sixth form centre. And then I'm like, <laughs> that was nine years ago. But yeah, I did GCSE. I, I, yeah, I think we were maybe the first year to be able to do GCSE drama, but I'm not, I can't quite remember. And yeah, it was just so much fun. I never... It's odd because at school, I think people remember me from, well, not remember me, but whenever I see teachers, they think of me for drama and music and stuff. But now, obviously, I just do science. So (laughs) I took a bit of a, I took a bit of a left turn. But um, no, I did love drama and we had such a good year for it. Some of my year group, I think at least two of them are now professional actors or musicians. So I was in a lucky year group where we obviously had talented people and I could kind of just hang out with them and be less talented, but enjoy spending time with them. And did that work? If, even if you were with it, you were with all these people that were going to go on to be to become professionals, but actually you just all sort of rubbed along. Is that how? It yeah, worked? like it was really fun. I think it meant that we could do like good productions and stuff. It's funny when you look at your year group now. For example, Hannah Martin, who's just been in the Olympics and stuff, and James Gall, he was in our year for a brief time. You realise how amazing they are at the time, but then when you give them 10 years or something you're like wow (laughs) I don't feel so bad at being terrible at hockey now because I'm like well (laughs) I had a pretty good year group so (laughs) I was also talking to another OI actually and they was and they 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 have nothing to do with drama anymore but they were saying that it gave them a lot of confidence in terms of public speaking being able to stand up in front of a crowd do you think that's true? Yeah, I think it's helped for doing presentation. So obviously in academia, we have to do quite a lot of public speaking. My public speaking um, has been stunted somewhat by the pandemic. Obviously, as a new PhD student, I would have been expected to speak at several conferences and they've all been online. So I haven't had as much practice with that as I would have liked. But I do feel quite well equipped, I think, from doing drama and being in front of people. <laughs> Fantastic. Amelia, what about you? What, what, what do you do beyond the lessons at school? Um, I actually play a lot of hockey inside and outside of school. I actually joined because I wanted to expand my kind of school life just from all the academics to kind of extracurriculars. And Ipswich has actually been absolutely amazing because of all the new staff that they've um, brought in for all the different sports. Um, I do like one-on-ones and gym sessions and it's just been something I can turn to where I might be a bit stressed from school. I can focus on something and really have an outlet. It's been so great. That's really interesting. So you're you're in year 13 this is the kind of the 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 time when you're looking at universities applications it's busy but actually the wider co-curriculum is really important to help you get through all of that yeah definitely definitely because I have to do a lot of coursework for my A-level PE surrounding like hockey anyway but I don't 
tend to go to the sports afternoons and think this is for my A-level. It's just kind of a time away from the school and it's actually been such a help emotionally, especially through the pandemic, because obviously we couldn't play in our normal teams. I was still able to turn to fitness and like the people I, that I communicate with in my clubs to really like push through such hard times. Yeah, that's fantastic. And tell me a bit more about your EPQ. Do you have to be quite organised to get to get one done? Oh yeah, it takes a lot of work. When we were first like proposed the idea and we were all offered if we wanted to take one, I was a bit hesitant because everyone spoke of how much independent work it is because it is very individual. It's not really to do with teachers. But since taking it on, it has been an absolutely amazing experience and it requires a lot of focus and um, time management because you have to be able to research and you know, upload journals and kind of talk about in confidence about your topic, which is something that I haven't actually ever done before in school. It's always been on the curriculum and I found it to be quite tough at times because it is something so new, but because of um, having a supervisor through the um, project, who's actually Mr Cliff, he um, has given me lots of support, given me lots of advice on how I can manage and hopefully all the skills I'm learning now will actually help a lot in the future, balancing all the like intense amount of workloads. Clara, is that true? Does that is that good prep for uni? Yeah, and also I found that Ipswich School really did prepare me for university-style essays and submissions. So, for example, I'm doing teacher training today. As a PhD student, I have to do support for, I do marking and I do um, lab demonstrating and small class teaching. So seeing, I, I just feel really grateful going through Ipswich School and I think the EPQ helped, especially with all the things like finding your own journal articles and stuff, because that's that next step up. When I went into first year, I just kind of knew, obviously not totally, but I knew more than some people kind of like how to put an essay together. And now being on the other side of that and seeing the students come in, there's such a wide range of experience with that. And obviously everyone um, picks it up as they go along, but it was really helpful to have done something like that because I just felt that bit more prepared when it came to our first uni essay. I kind of had frame of reference for finding journals and doing referencing and all of those kinds of things. So it was it was really helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. And what's your PhD on? So my PhD is on detection dogs. So I did the masters at Edinburgh, which was quite agricultural based. So a lot of animal, so animal behavior is an interesting topic because it can fall into different categories. So I'm in the school of psychology here, but previously I've been in um, the veterinary school or the school of biology. So it can fall into lots of different schools, depending kind of what you're looking at. And most of my masters was based on farm animal welfare because uh, Edinburgh is partnered with SRUC. So it was quite a lot of how do we look after farm animals? How do we minimise harm? All of that stuff, which I do like, and it was interesting, but it's not my area of interest. So I really like companion animals and human-animal interactions. But they did allow us to do our project at a different university if we could find someone that was doing something a bit more specific to us. So I actually did my project with Medical Detection Dogs, which is a charity in Milton Keynes, and they do a lot of work on assistance dogs, so diabetes detection dogs, people with POTS and Addison's disease, and they also do a lot of research. So dogs detecting COVID has been one of their big projects over the last year, and malaria, different types of cancer. So I was lucky enough to do my project with them, and then since then I'm now doing uh, a bit of a smaller scale project here at Queen's looking at whether dogs can detect when people are stressed. Gosh, I've been I've been hearing about this on the radio. It feels very of the moment, and it feels like Mm -hmm. it's only going to get bigger. Do you pick that up? 
Yeah, I think that there is a risk of overemphasizing what the dogs can and can't do, especially in the news because they want like a good story. So for example, I think dogs detecting cancer is very, very important, but not necessarily in the way that people think. So the way that dogs smell and their sense of smell is just so far beyond any kind of machine that we've built yet. But the goal is to build a machine that has as many sensors and receptors as their nose and brain so that they can categorize things like cancer but you don't want a dog going into hospital and telling people that they have cancer (laughs) so I think people kind of think you know oh what application does this have and I think that's the key is that oftentimes we're using the dogs to help inform technology rather than necessarily using the dog to actually tell make a diagnosis or something like that that's fascinating so the dog is not the doctor but you model what the dog can do and try and replicate that yes and not for all illnesses so things for covid they wanted to use actual dogs so have uh, dogs in the airport and stuff like that and i think that there's definitely a use for that but i also think that that is limited in its application you know we're probably going to get a lot we're going to get a lot more done with PCR tests or lateral flow tests because we can just process so many more in a day. So I think those kinds of things are interesting and useful, but it depends what kind of application you want. And that's very specific to whatever um, disease or health condition you're looking at. I've got two dogs. What are the best Mm -hmm. type of dogs for this type? Well, it really depends on the dog. So people traditionally use um, Labradors, Golden Retrievers. Depending on what kind of training facility it is, they might use Shepherds or those kind of working type dogs. At the moment, because of the way my project is run, I'm using people's pet dogs from the community. So that's been really helpful for me to um, get rid of all of my (laughs) preconceived notions of what would be a good working dog. And at the minute, we've got about six dogs. They're my sniffer dogs. Yeah. They come in every week and that's such a mix. I've got a lurcher. Sight hounds usually are not thought of as being good at this kind of stuff. It just depends on the temperament. They've got to be really, really persistent, but also willing to be flexible and learn as they go along. But it's quite a boring task. They basically just sniff between samples in the lab and they just do that over and over and over. So <laughs> they've got to be very specific, hardworking, but also not needing too much excitement. <laughs> Wow. So you've got a team of six dogs and you've just had to make do and you're <laughs> Yeah. My dog could have applied. Maybe not. What type of dog do you have? I've got two border terriers. Oh lovely. Yeah. But I'm not sure I don't think they'd uh, they'd make the grade. <laughs> so Amelia, tell me a little bit more about your EPQ again. So I actually kind of started more on a psychology base with my EPQ. I kind of had an initial idea to look into how captivity and things like zoos and how we um, exploit animals in that way, how the animals involved can be affected. But I actually struggled to find a lot of journal entries and actual research on it because, as Clara is saying, there's lots of research out there, but a lot of it hasn't been applied and is kind of very difficult to apply to certain situations. So I actually then decided to move away and look at more of how humans treat animals in like throughout time because I found this really useful book um, that was called Animals in Society and it's been one of the best things I've read and something that actually really got me into what I want to do at university and it's quite philosophical which is something I haven't actually done before I've always done quite science-based things and it kind of discusses how we've exploited and, and oppressed animals to evolve we have developed a very kind of unique society in a western world where we like to use animals in every single day like circumstances whether it's for pets for meats for our beauty products and we've kind of reached a point where we don't know where else we can go with animals 
um, if they aren't something that is readily available. And especially with what Clara's doing, all the new aspects of research, I think that's so important. And I've really loved looking into how we have used animals in the past and how important they are to human life, because I don't personally believe that our evolution as human beings would be where it is now if we didn't use animals to help us get there, especially in things like industrialism, because of the wide-scale production that we need to support such a large population on Earth. We need to be able to use all the resources that we can, and animals are resources. And I really would like to look forward to, in the future, seeing how we can protect them, because at the end of the day, if we overexploit them, we won't be able to evolve further or keep them safe and happy on Earth with us. Yeah, it sounds very similar to what you were saying, um, Clara, actually. The dog can't be the doctor, but it, it can it can help inform what we know, but um, there, there are limits. Yeah, and there's such a wide range of the way that we interact with animals. I really like the dog stuff because the way that we've co-evolved, well, not co-evolved, but the way that we've evolved alongside dogs and their domestication process means that they really, really love working in my field so everything's positive reinforcement everything's clicker training and treat and so everything's shaped by what we call um, successive approximation so you end up with a very specific behavior but it's all come from them guessing and me just telling them what's right and by doing that eventually they figure out what they're meant to do but we've got a lot of dogs who don't even really care for the food that they get as the reward they just love doing it you know they see the apparatus and they're so excited so I really like that because you feel like while you are kind of using them they're doing a job that they really enjoy and they want to do it with you and then that's so different I think that's why I got a bit bogged down with all the farm animal stuff because it's such a different system and all of the goal of the research was to minimize harm minimize death rate infection sickness and it was just a bit I and I completely understand like why we've got this system and everything but it was always about reducing harm as much as we could whilst still inflicting a lot of harm yeah. so I was kind of like I want to work with an animal that's like having a great time <laughs> really interesting but it's really interesting for both of you how the psychology fields and the animal fields have allowed you to move and develop and find new interests as, as for both of you you've, you've sort of started in one place but actually ended up in a very different area let's go back to school now um Clara what do you remember about being at school Yes, so I wanted to jump onto what we were talking about earlier when Amelia was talking about how important it is to be in teams and doing sport outside of um, the lessons and everything, was that I really um, need to give a shout out to Tracy Boyle, who was great because in sixth form we got to do... I, I can't, I don't know if it was activities, I can't remember the term, but rather than having to do like hockey netball, I think in sixth form you could do aerobics or <laughs> legs, bums and tums or something like that. And it was just great because I had a few friends who were the same, we weren't particularly sporty. And it is hard because sport is such an important thing at school and people are obviously, it, it's a great school for sports. But I do think that if you're not part of that, it can sometimes feel like you know you're less than or whatever yeah, and you're not Hannah doing... Martin yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah Trace Boyle I, we did aerobics we did leg thumbs and tums we did all sorts of different um 
stuff and that really got me into sport actually so since then now I do weightlifting and I go multiple times per week and I just I would never have got into that I don't think if if Mrs Boyle hadn't given us the confidence to go into the gym and do solo sports and I think that's such an important thing because team sports are obviously amazing and um, I would look to get into team sports more now as an adult but um, I just yeah I think solo sports as well was it was good to do something non-competitively because I obviously we got to do track and field and everything but there was still that competitive edge and I just wasn't competitive so going into non-competitive sport but actually just enjoying it for the exercise that was a really important thing to learn um, and I've taken that forward since so and Amelia so hockey's clearly a big thing for you is that something that you'll will stay with you I'm hoping to continue it but I'm I think I'm at a point where I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do next because obviously when I turn 18 it will be such a big life change and I am really kind of evolving as a person rather than just a student in school so I'd like to continue it but I'm not sure at what level so we've got lots of potential year sevens looking at school at the moment what would you say to your 11 year old self who should we start with Clara what would you say to the little 11 year olds yeah I think just to go with things that you enjoy and don't worry too much about um, kind of the end goal because I think opportunities just do arise out of nowhere sometimes and I think especially with children these age there's a lot of pressure to know what you want to do. My mum's American and I looked at American uh, schools for PhD sorry schools universities and their system is just so different you know they keep such a wide range so far, far through and even at university you don't pick your major and it's just such a different system and I think it has its drawbacks and benefits I quite like the UK system but it, I think it really benefits people who know what they want to do from a young age and I think if you don't know what to, what you want to do you there's a lot of pressure on you to know your 10-year plan yeah. <laughs> um, so I think just to not worry too much about that and just focus on things that you enjoy for, like I just knew that I really enjoyed psychology I don't know what I would have done if I didn't do psychology but I would have found something and you know it's and then I found animal behavior and now I'm and it, this makes sense to me because as a child I always loved animals everyone said you want to be a vet I said no I don't really want to be a vet but I want to do something with animals I didn't know that it existed yet but it's kind of all come full circle so I think just not put too much pressure on yourself and just try and find the things that you enjoy and just follow that path and things will come up just let just let it happen don't try and look too far ahead Amelia I can hear Mr Mr Cliff cheering as Clara says that because he's always <laughs> saying take the A-levels you love isn't he yeah, yeah all the time all the time I'm I actually have a pretty much exactly the same experience as you and I had no idea what I wanted to do and I'd say my advice would be pretty similar is don't worry about what other people are doing if they want to from the day they walk into your seven want to be a doctor or a lawyer that's perfect for them they might change but there's no pressure to decide straight away you know university might not even be the right course for you you can just take it a day at a time and do something that you love and you'll get somewhere in life that makes you so happy. That's brilliant advice. Thank you, both of you. Um, similar question. Can you have a think about something that you're most proud about? Clara, can I ask you to think about? Yeah, I guess just it's a bit sentimental, but I think just the long lasting friendships that we made at school. So my friend group is entirely my friend group from school still, like nine years on. I had two really good friends from school come visit me last weekend in Belfast. I've got a different friend from school visiting me this weekend in Belfast. So I think just the ability to foster really good relationships that then last for a long time. And I think it is very much in part a product of the way that school 
school was and I think just having really nice groups of people around and being able to meet people in those different areas in the drama and the sport and all the different things like that um so I think just yeah being able to make really good friendships and then maintain them over the years is something that I'm proud of (laughs) That's, that's lovely what about you Amelia I would probably just say kind of my commitment to lots of different things and not letting all the stress kind of phase me as much as it could have done because obviously school is quite an overwhelming process if you do lots of different activities, lots of different commitments. But I feel like anyone who's listening and is kind of quite thinly spread, I'd just say do what you love and I'm quite proud of how I just stuck to what I did and the things that I didn't quite enjoy I haven't continued with and I'm glad that I've stuck to what I know. Thank you. I'm picking up a real theme of breadth and having a go and getting stuck in, even with things that you didn't necessarily think that you were going to enjoy from both of you. Um, I'm going to ask you some silly questions now. So, uh, best place to hang out? Is it the school field or is it sixth form centre? Clara? Definitely sixth form centre because on the school field there's a risk of getting hit on the head by a football. (laughs) Okay, and next question. I'll start with you, Amelia. Best school dinner? I actually really like the chow mein, which I think is quite an unpopular opinion, but because not many people eat it, it then like continues to be brought out for quite a few days, so I have it for quite a few days in the road, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so chow mein for you. What about you, Clara? What do you remember about school dinner? What was your favourite? I think, <laughs> I do really remember like having school dinner, but I'm now trying to think. I used to really like the chocolate crunch corner thing that came with chocolate custard that was good I like chocolate I really like having puddings for lunch I really miss that I think I thought that was like a thing and then I left school and I was like wait people don't have like a full crumbling <laughs> custard every day at lunch what are they doing <laughs> so I try and implement lunch pudding as much as possible <laughs> lunch pudding for Clara okay mm-hmm. and best school trip do you Clara? Do you remember school trips from back? Yes, then? my favourite was definitely Cumbria. I don't know if that still runs. So that was in year eight, and I had really struggled with being homesick when I was little. So I was a bit of, <laughs> I was a bit of a delicate flower, and I used to get so homesick on all the trips, and I was so worried about Cumbria. Uh, I think we'd gone on a year six one, and I was just desperate to go home the whole time. And this was kind of the next big one since, and I just had the best time. Like I didn't once want to go home. It was the best trip ever, and that kind of cured my homesick like after that I was like no take me on all the trips brilliant yeah so Cumbria is still running Amelia have you have you managed to go on any school trips even yeah because I joined in year 12 and obviously Covid happened I've only actually gone on one it was a biology trip we were doing lots of um, measurements and things in sand dunes and it managed to be the one day the entire month where there was absolute pour, like pouring rain there was a thunderstorm we had to hide in the woods and we got a bit lost but it was it was very fun just very wet <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the highlights and the lowlights <laughs> uh, yeah so Cum- Cum- Cumbria is happening for the year eight just this this term actually so that that's been absolutely fascinating for me I've loved hearing about uh, your shared interests and I've loved hearing about all the stuff that you do at school um so thank you clara and thank you amelia thanks for having us thank you so that was clara and amelia thank you to you both for coming on to this episode if you have any questions following anything you've heard then you can reach the school by visiting www.ipswich.school now our next episode is coming out soon but in the meantime thank you for listening to this episode don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications and we look forward to seeing you next time Bye for now.